Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. A glimpse of the perfect picture is our theme today. A glimpse, just a glimpse of the perfect picture. Titui Ramato o te rangawara. Daniel 7.1 says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions in his mind. Hey, well, as we conclude uh, our prayer and self-denial series today, it's just been such an exciting series, I believe, and I'd like to um, say it's been really awesome to pray for and support our missionary workers overseas uh, uh, attending the, the BMF uh, prayer meeting, but also to see our kingdom kids, and especially for us, our grandchildren, uh, catching a vision of what it means to go without something, to go uh, with less, in order to remind us to pray for those who haven't been um, able to catch the last two Two weeks uh, and catch all this excitement. We're just going to recap in a moment, but yeah, I really want to say um, our granddaughters have really caught this vision. They've <laughs> been really wanting to get along to Kingdom Kids. They just can't wait. It's so awesome. So back in week one, in week one, we began by celebrating our diversity and our unity. And it was, real, it was a real joy, wasn't it, to see people stand under the flag of their birth country, representing their birth country. Jenny spoke uh, of the church being rather like a beautiful tapestry of color and uh, order on one side, but with the not-so-tidy side underneath. And the message really was that there were were and still are at times messed, you know, messed up places in our lives. And uh, but for the grace of God, we would stay messed up. Amen? But it's because of his grace that he can mend some of that mess. Praise God, he's building us into something beautiful. And uh, he's not done with us yet, is he? No. He's building his church, and it's his idea. Church is his idea, and it's his plan A. By belonging to a church, we get our rough edges smoothed off as we commit to love one another in good times and in bad, I believe. And as a result, he makes all things complete under his lordship. Um, There is no plan B. The church is his plan. And, you know, he, he wants to bring unity out of, out of diversity. And this is our first glimpse of what that perfect picture might look like. And then last week, Mark brought us the second in the series. There is mess in the world. Uh, not really breaking news, is it? But there is a mess in the world, and in fact, within our own hearts and our own lives at times. eh? And we are Goma, not Hosea. In Hosea chapter 1, Mark brought us the story of Hosea, where God uses this picture of an unequally yoked marriage 
to describe how Israel's been unfaithful to a God who's just only ever protected and loved and been faithful and kind towards her. You know, Gomer was a prostitute. Hosea was a prophet. That picture could describe us, couldn't it? When we compromise our faith and then call it political correctness, not wanting to offend others. And God's calling us to a life of faith. You know, the worlds that many of our missionaries are working in are just blatantly dysfunctional. They're oppressive places where slavery, where abuse and sexual exploitation are tolerated and are even seen as the norm. And these societies, they just groan under the weight of oppression and corruption. You know, centuries of idol worship, belief in reincarnation, and pluralism have shaped people's value systems. You know, that's the background to why these things have been a result. You know, they're happening now. And it just results in a poverty of both of spirit, soul, and body. The system is broken, but I want to say, having been to India, the people are beautiful. The system's broken, but the people are beautiful and precious to God. Praise God for the calling on a few of these faithful workers to these places who share the love of Christ and who seek to change the atmosphere in these places. And I don't, I don't, I'd say to you, even if you can do a short-term mission, do it. Go. You know, get up and go. This is another glimpse of the kingdom of God, where God's rule is extended and the darkness is pushed back. So let's turn to Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 to 10, and we're going to have our, our scripture for the day. And I'm going to read from the New American Standard Version. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom and that they should be in charge of the whole kingdom. And over them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king might not suffer loss. Now that's important. These guys were pushing the kingdom forward. They are the movers, the shakers. Verse 3, then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. Amen. Who wants that? <laughs> Who wouldn't want that? And the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. He planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find grounds of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption. Inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him, then these men said, they were desperate, we said, they said, we shall not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king 
and spoke to him as follows, King Darius, live forever. They were greasing up. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. And the king, now O king, establish this injunction and sign the document quickly, so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Now, I don't think he prayed about it, because in verse 9 he says, therefore King Darius signed the document, that is the injunction. And here's our key verse really. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he knew it was signed, he knew what it said and what it meant. He entered his house now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day in an act of worship. Isn't that awesome? Praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. He was not on putting on a show. He did it every day. Three times Worship and prayer before his God. Hallelujah. Amen. So we are gaining here another glimpse of kingdom living. Daniel. Have we got a picture of him there? He's praying in the window. Looks pretty old. <laughs> I don't know if he's that old, but anyway. <laughs> Was he? Oh, there you go. It's another glimpse of the kingdom, isn't it? And he'd, he'd risen to the top of his game. But he still knew who the real king was. He'd served these kings, but he was still willing to die for his Lord over his career. Big call, eh? Praying as he'd been doing previously. He was seeking first the kingdom of heaven. So we're just going to talk about the kingdom for a moment. The kingdom of God is where Christ, our king, rules supreme. He is the head of the church, but his rule's not limited to the church that he purchased with his blood. In fact, it's his ultimate plan to bring everything under to his rule and reign forever. How he does this, when and where, this will be up to the Father. But for now, like Daniel, we simply get a glimpse of how beautiful it can be when Christ's rule is applied. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 9, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. And in verse 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. See, we just can't imagine this, this completed picture. It's beyond us at the moment. But our mission as his church, should we choose to accept it, you know, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> our mission, should we choose to accept it, um, is to see his rule and reign be extended over his creation. But we need to be guided and empowered by his Holy Spirit. And in faith, one day we will see the perfect picture.
the tapestry complete in every way, the upside and the underneath side when Christ returns as king over all things and over all powers and principalities. Are you excited? Could he not achieve this without us? Absolutely. Could he do it in a moment? Absolutely. His power and his might are just described all through Scripture from beginning to the end. But he's choosing to use us to partner with. Isn't that amazing? He is committed to his partner with his people, who is us. If we go back to the beginning, we get the master plan at the beginning. His original instructions to Adam was to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and to subdue it and to rule over every living thing. What an instruction. What a mission. Uh, what is it? Job description. <laughs> but Adam and Eve, we know, blew it. Sin entered the scene. And if I was God, I'd have been very tempted just to call it quits, start again. And he almost did. But through Noah, Abraham, and Moses, he chose to rescue and restore this broken, fallen earth. And, and that's another glimpse of the kingdom of God, his rescue plan. And finally, he sends Jesus to redeem all people. He extends it out from his own people to us. Praise God. We sang earlier, he didn't want heaven without us, so he sent heaven down. Jesus brought us the ultimate picture of heaven. What that's really saying is not heaven in its entirety, but we see a picture, a glimpse of heaven, heaven's values, heaven's beauty, heaven's um, system of, of love in Jesus. We see it all in Jesus. The picture is complete in Jesus. And he wants all people to repent and worship him. That's the plan. He's the ultimate glimpse of God's kingdom. Let's turn to Revelation 7, verse 9. Because this is his next kind of plan after that. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues. It's been awesome hearing the word in other languages, hasn't it? In other tongues and people and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. That's what we've got to look forward to. Something in the heart of God is now waiting. He's restraining him, himself from, from this ultimate picture and he's wanting to reveal it at the right time. This final chapter of this love story that really goes from Genesis to Revelation. And he works who with who and what he's got. I, I just believe he's a relational God who works with who's willing. He works with what he's got, with the raw material that we offer him. And so when we partner with him and all of the resources of heaven and earth, we are doing kingdom work. Did you hear that? When we partner with him. You know, Jesus spoke about being yoked to him. He said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke 
is easy and my burden is light because we're yoked with someone much stronger. And he does all the pulling. He pulls the load. We just have to keep up. It's not a burden to fulfill our calling because he does most of the work. So what can we learn from Daniel? Let's get back to Daniel, the story of Daniel. He was possibly the first missionary. I know there was uh, um, who was sent to Nineveh, um, Jonah, but possibly, uh, you know, Daniel could be called a missionary as well. He sent him to a very dark place. He was taken by force from his homeland, Israel, and he was one of the elite young men chosen to study a new language and culture. So Daniel would have found himself in one of the most power-hungry, strange, and dark societies on earth. You know, Babylon was the seat of power of the known world at that time, and it was basically Sin City. And interestingly enough, it is situated around about where Baghdad is today. Daniel adopted the good things about it really quickly. He actually readily rose to the top job without losing his faith or integrity because he had an extraordinary spirit. Let's read Daniel 6.3 again. Thus Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. And the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. See, Daniel's God-given management skill and his commitment to this godless kingdom changed the culture around him. And yet he was willing to lose it all for the sake of his Lord. Daniel's story deserves really much more than, than I can offer today. It really deserves a series, so let's do that sometime. Because there's just so many things we can learn from him regarding changing the world around you, no matter how dark you think it is. See, this glimpse of God's kingdom being extended into a place that was about as far away from God as you could get shows that nothing is too hard for our God. And maybe that's your situation today. You may be feeling that you are in an impossible situation with difficult people. <laughs> we won't get a show of hands. <laughs> well, spare a thought for Daniel. His workmates wanted him dead. But God turned the whole thing around. Can you believe for a miracle turnaround in your situation? Well, then that's a taste of kingdom living and another glimpse of what is to come. I hope you're getting a little glimpse of all these glimpses. <laughs> it was a very quiet drive home for Jenny and I the day we dropped our oldest son, Craig, up to Bible College to start his television production certificate at 18 pretty tough when you take your 18-year-old away and think maybe they'll never be back. And I've asked Craig if I can share his story today because I just believe it may hold something for someone here. You know, we, we were very proud of the fact he wanted to go and do this course and, and four years later he was actually promoted to, to, to head up the um, family television network, FTN. And for another four years, it grew until he had 15 staff 
And he basically took his lunchbox and closed the door on the very last day that the, the television station existed because it was no longer a part of the big vision. So it was closed down and Craig was basically unemployed. Um, not that he'd been getting much money anyway. <laughs> he'd been pretty much funding himself through, through work. But he heard of a job going at possibly one of the most um, successful advertising companies in Auckland. And so without really any gap, he began work in the middle of Parnell. The first thing he had to do was to learn how to make real coffee. <laughs> and he was reminded often that you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. <laughs> Sometimes Craig was made to feel quite inadequate in that job. Despite having been in management, he had to earn his way up, work his way up, until finally he was doing some um, overseas work, and, and yet it seemed like he couldn't do it right or well enough. And his boss decided and suggested that maybe he'd even be best to go back to farming, that that might be his calling rather than the advertising industry. That was a big blow for Craig, and to his credit, he walked away with head held high and walked in integrity and never spoke negatively or put that firm down. He started his own company, and a few years later, having never run out of work, he was able to offer work back to the company that had said he wasn't perhaps enough. And then within some more years, he was actually asked to produce stuff for them. And as time went on, their relationship grew stronger and stronger and anything that was, had gone down was mended and repaired in the relationship. And this January of this year, Craig humbly shared with me, and I didn't even realize he'd been offered it, but he was offered to manage this company for this coming year, as well as running his own company. And I thought, thank you, Lord, that is a real picture of someone who walked away from what could potentially have been a real hurt and he actually extended the olive leaf back many times and was offering forgiveness in full to the point he's now running that company. And so we gain a glimpse of the perfect picture when churches enjoy unity with diversity. When missionaries make inroads into the darkest places on earth. When men of courage like Daniel stand strong against evil rulers and when others are able to forgive and move on. These are all glimpses of the kingdom. You know, we began with Daniel receiving dreams and visions on his bed in chapter 7 verse 1 was a bit of a random verse, and you might be wondering why I started with that verse, but the amazing thing is, and that's, this is what struck me, in reading through Daniel over recent weeks, I've just been really enthralled with the story again and again and, and pondering on it, and what I've realized is that Daniel um, received these visions 
while working for the worst king of Babylon, Belshazzar. You see, after the high, the high in Daniel's life, I'm sure it was a ministry highlight of leading King Nebuchadnezzar to the Lord, which was possibly the most spectacular conversion of all history. This evil king of of Babylon being brought low and calling out on Lord on the Lord as God, declaring him as the only God. Daniel ends up working for his son. And that's never easy, but some are given the grace to do it. Belshazzar did not repent. And even after receiving Daniel's interpretation of his dreams, the Bible says that he was slain, slain that very night. You see, we shouldn't base our success simply on good outcomes, but on faithfully committing to follow our heart after hearing from God. We shouldn't base our success simply on a good outcome, but on faithfully committing to follow our heart after hearing from God. Daniel used his gifts for good kings and bad. I think he served about four in total. To make a difference. And so should we. Don't look around at how bad the world's getting. But you can, if you want. But it takes no faith at all to write the world off. Read the news with a, with a, with a mind to see how we can pray. You know, it takes little faith to write off the world and say it's gone to the dogs. But it takes grit and real faith to make it more godly. So when, when it's all done, it's all summed up, the true glimpse of the kingdom is Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says that we should fix our eyes on him. You know, we can get fixated on a lot of things, can't we, in life, but we need to be fixated on him, keep our eyes on him, the author, and what does he say? Finisher of our faith. He is the beginning and the end. Praise God. We just need to be in Christ and have him, his spirit in us. So let's fix our eyes on Jesus and make that the glimpse that we need for kingdom living. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.